we're taking a trip back to 1987 with a movie that features the world's dumbest and most inept cops, Marsha Brady, a Hollywood megastar before he was a Hollywood megastar, and a plot that makes absolutely zero sense. So come with us as we return to Horror High, where school spirit has never been this dead. We watched it, so you don't have to. So you know what that means. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Horrible Horror, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies, movies so bad they're scary. I'm your host, Marshall Hampton. With me, as always, is Mr. Aaron Southworth, who unfortunately last week couldn't be with us, but he's back today. So not with you as always, then. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> with you most of the time, except for last week. 99.9% of the time, he's here. Right. Uh, and today, we have another special guest. This is... This is our first two-time, a repeat guest, Mr. Coffee Doug Jones. With you once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hello, friends and folks listening at home. All right. Uh, This is week five, our fifth and final week of our August back-to-school month special here at uh, Horrible Horror, where we are doing all school-themed movies. And this week's little gem was... Return to Horror High. So they were there once before. If they're returning. Yeah. Um, let's clear something up right now because a lot of people... This has to be a sequel. Yeah, everybody Explain think, it, Marshall. Everybody <laughs> thinks this is a sequel, and it's not a sequel. The Yes, there is a movie called Horror High that was made back in the 70s, which I did watch. Mm-hmm. It is not a sequel. Yeah, so that that, that kind of confused me because I remember you were like, oh, we're going to watch Return to Horror High. I'm like, should we watch Horror High? And you're like, no, it's not a sequel. I'm like, I'm not sure about that. He's... So, yeah, it's not a sequel. Yeah, because the whole thing about this movie is back in 1980, this movie was released January 20th, 1987, and I believe it's supposed to take place in 87. And the whole thing is they talk about in 1982, there is a mass murder at Crippen High School, and the killer was never caught. So, but in the plot of the original Horror High, the killer was caught and is basically just a remake of Jekyll and Hyde. It was just a nerdy science kid who made a potion that turned him into a crazy, hairy killer. And he was shot by police at the end of the movie. Why didn't we watch that movie? <laughs> now, when you watched Horror High, did you watch it thinking it could be the prequel? Like, yes. The prequel? I, I, yeah, you watched want, it for I, this movie. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to see if it was. Because my idea to was, make oh, sure. we'll do Horror High and return to Horror High and do a uh, original and a sequel back to back. But they're not related. Um, even though for some reason a lot of people think so. And, but they're not. At least not in my opinion. Welcome to the world of horror. That happens all the time. Good luck. (laughs) So this one, uh, God, it was written written by Bill Froelich, Mark Lisson, Dana Escalante, and Greg H. Simmons. Directed by Bill Froelich. It's a hard last name to pronounce. I'm probably butchering it. I don't really care at this point. Um, I found it on Amazon, and you can find it on Vudu uh, for $2.99 rental. Uh, Any of you find it somewhere else? 
Same thing. I'm Same doing thing. it through uh, Microsoft Xbox. Uh, Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Doug. Or, I borrowed it from a friend. He's got lots who... of horror movies. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> he actually had a, an actual DVD copy or Blu-ray, I guess. Um, really, the only thing that really, I guess, that another thing that makes this movie famous, or I don't even know if it's famous, but it's kind of famous that this is George Clooney's very first movie ever. So you do get an early George Clooney. He was in that. Yeah. What? I know. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> And it also features Marsha Brady uh, as a really weird, perky. She gets turned on by blood and viscera throughout the movie. It's really strange. And eats sandwiches and really sloppily. Yeah. Now is okay. You'll talk about. I didn't understand what her why she was acting that way at all. Like Neither so, I. you think she was getting turned on by? My thing was she starts out when you first meet her, she's fine, and then like as more blood gets discovered and she's like the, the more the movie goes along like the skimpier she, her outfit yeah, gets, she gets her, all, like turned on like, she's unbuttoning point, her shirt yeah, her, her police uniform is now unbuttoned her cleavage thing her, her sleeves are rolled up just hanging out. and she's like oh the blood was everywhere he slid down like a slip and slide and she's like grabbing her tit <laughs> marcia bray is like grabbing her tit covered in blood getting turned on by blood her hair's dust. all windblown yeah, it's really yeah. fucking strange it, <laughs> my, my girlfriend at the time i watched it with her and she said it was just great she goes how did they tell her to act in this? <laughs> like, what was the direction? Like, we need you to do this. It, that... I, I would, oh, that would be a wonderful thing to have heard. Like, what, yeah. What's my motivation for this scene? What was the direction she got? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, all right. Uh, a couple other people know, like I said, you do have uh, George Clooney, who plays Oliver, who's like the first, first person who gets killed in the movie. Um, really? He totally reminded me seeing him too. If you remember, he used to be on the first season of Roseanne. Does anybody remember that? And yes. he was their boss, and Jackie was in love with him. Yes. And all I could think about was that. I think his name was Booker or something, but he <laughs> looked just like that in that show. Yeah, he's got like like late '80s hair, like a little curly mullet type thing going on in the back. He's got it's pretty it, epic. Yeah, it's yeah. great '80s style Clooney. Um, so I do want to say before we get into the actual movie itself, this movie pisses me off so much. Like, <laughs> like to the level that Blood Valley Siege Revenge pisses me off. Different type of pissed off, but uh. pisses me off so much. This movie is basically just holding two giant middle fingers up to the aunt saying, fuck you. Good luck following this. <laughs> and it, it, that's how I figure, that's how I view this movie. Oh, God. It makes zero sense whatsoever and is really hard to follow. But we're going to do the best we can to break this down for you. So, uh, opening it, it opens with the credits. You get a nineteen, you know, get like a Star Wars style crawl again. Where it says, you know, I argue until the nineteen eighty two Crippen High killer was never found. Now there's a f- film crew here to make a movie based on the events of what happened. Only five years later, that's not very and much time. The school passing. is now no. abandoned and all this stuff. So, uh, speaking of five years later, that's the same amount of time that passed in Slaughter High after the, when the school closed down. Slaughter High was five years later. So oh, apparently right. it only takes five years for a school to close down after yeah. mass murders. murders. Yeah. I think that's just a given. And even a TV show, when they flash forward or something, five years later. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like three or five. It's pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, so the first character you meet, you get is Ch- Police Chief Diner. Diner. He pulls up to a bloody crime scene outside of Crippen High School. This where, and you Marsha Brady walks up in her cop out and she's at this point like i said she's all prim and proper looking fine you know really perky yeah 
And she's like, you're looking six. fine, Marshall. She, Is that what you just said? She looking was fine, looking pretty well, fine. Yeah, I got, okay. I got to admit. Well, I meant like know. fine. She's like, she doesn't look gross or blush. She's like, she's fine. You know, not. Like, you had a crush on Marsha Brady. It's Actually, cool. I didn't really like it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marsha Brady was keeping it tight. This is 1987. <laughs> yeah, so. they said Marsha Brady does. Yeah. She, yeah, but anyway, yeah. so she's like, oh, there's six to eight bodies. We don't really know. Not everything's attached. So clue one: these cops suck. Um. And she tells him there's like there's only one survivor, and the chief's like, "Oh my god, this is happening all over again." And Marsha takes the chief over to meet Mister Lyman, Arthur Lyman, who is the one survivor, and he turns out he's the the scriptwriter, the writer for this movie that's being filmed. Now, at this point, I noticed like in the shot, the school looks like it's ten stories tall behind him. So I'm like, "What kind of fucking high school is this?" I've never seen a high school go down like two or three stories, but. It, Maybe it was just a camera angle time, but it looked like it was a goddamn skyscraper in this opening shot. And Lyman is, at this point, he's basically in shock, just flicking a flashlight on and off, and he's in shock. He's useless. And we transition to a cop wandering the halls, and it's dark, and out of nowhere, an arm holding a lighter comes out of nowhere, just in front of the flame on, and he gets grabbed by him from another guy, and he with the face all bloody, and it pulls him into a dark room. The lights come on, and boom, there's the film crew filming it. And there's like, oh, you fucked up the shot. Yeah. Boo on you. So this cop that's gone in, is been he's like a consult. He's supposed to be like a consult for the, the yeah, crew. Yeah, he's like the advisor for like, like you know. Yeah, he's so, so all of a sudden, we're back in time. Five years before. No, yeah. n- this is... This, this is not This movie jumps the- all over the place. <laughs> it's really fucking... Okay, we're back in time because the ending... It's not present where the cops are, but we're assuming it's a, like the day before or a few days before during the movie shoot, but not years ago as the original. The time shifts take. are so bizarre in this yeah. movie. It's you don't know what's happening. They don't set it up very well. No. It's always confusing. You're like, oh, well, I guess now we're back to when they were alive and. Every time you think you have it figured out, too, you mm. just get lost in your thoughts. Yeah. You inception it. You keep yeah, going down the it, 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 It's like a horror can't... movie inception. It just keeps going further down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so the, the film's like, oh, fuck you. You ruined our shot. And the guy with the blade face is like, hey, I thought he was Oliver, who's played by George Clooney. And George Clooney's playing a cop named Blake. There's a name tag on his uniform that says Blake. And the cop that he's quoting, his name is also Blake. So we f- eventually find out that George Clooney is playing the real cop who is also the advisor, technical advisor for the movie. Because we learn out that th- th- the real cop, Blake, was a- assigned to work the original murder case back in 1982. Oh, okay, which is bullshit yeah. because he's. we also learned later that he was also a student at the same school during when it happened. So how was he a cop and in high school at the same fucking time? I forgot all about that. It yeah. doesn't make sense. <laughs> As you can see, Marshall's passionate. Yeah, he is. So, oh, oh God, this, I, my blood pressure is going to go up talking about this movie. <laughs> um, so the movie producer who we meet, uh, Harry Schleck or Schlerick or something like that. Um, the producer? That producer. I love. This guy is love. a baller. Love the producer. Yeah. He, what is he from? You guys. Okay. Are, oh, I, I got, already got it. The most, the one number one thing people are going to recognize him from is from The Godfather. Yep. He's uh, Mo Green. Okay. Yeah. He God, gets he looks Mo so Green familiar. right in the eye. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> the actor's name is Alex Rocco, and he's got 167 movie credits to his name. Holy shit. And he was trained 
under Leonard Nimoy. Wow. To help lose his thick Boston accent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, he's also probably most recognizable for me is his voice. His voice is so unique. And he plays the owner of Itchy and Scratchy from The Simpsons. He's the 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 executive. Uh, no the shit. O- executive owner of Itchy and Scratchy. He's got <laughs> yeah. that voice he talks. I can't even do, do That was justice. good. No, you were very close. That, <laughs> yeah, yo, that was very close. So the movie producer, this guy is Bond. He's all, he's big time, you know, movie producer. He carries, like, he carries around a briefcase. And oh in the God. briefcase is a telephone and an answer, an 80 style answer machine, like, which is like basically a giant cassette recorder. It's in huge. his briefcase. It's a huge briefcase, too. <laughs> it's kind of like the Zach Morris cell phone from Saved by the Bell, the giant thing, but it's a phone in a briefcase. Just way, way, way more epic. <laughs> yes. I bet that thing weighs 20 pounds. Oh, easy. That thing had to be a brick of a thing to carry around. So um, they're talking, and the special vet guy comes up. He's talking to the director. And this girl with no shirt comes up. And she's standing on top of his tits hanging out. And the director's like, are these the real ones? And she's like, no. He's like, I told you, no exploding tits. And he co- he covers the camera, and he you see her rip off a blatantly fake because they were her boobs. So they just so, yeah, boobs. so you understand this girl standing there topless, yeah. and when you're watching it, you know those are her tits. Yeah, there's right. nothing. There's fake. nothing there to cover them up. They're but it's like, there's nothing fake about it. No, them. but I don't know why they were trying to pass them off as those were fake tits. Yeah, exactly. It was weird. But yeah, he rips it off like it's obviously fake. Like something you could buy at like a Halloween store, plastic boob, and then <laughs> toss it into the corner where it explodes. <laughs> it's. Fucking I had to rewind that scene and watch it again just to let you know. Okay. Just to make sure those tits yeah. were real. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. So Clooney at this point, he's on the phone, and he gets a call from, I guess, his agent or somebody, and he says, hey, you got the part on some big new network show or something like that. Roseanne. So, yeah, he got the job <laughs> of Roseanne. <laughs> but I like the way he describes it. He describes it as a cross between Miami Vice and Moonlighting. <laughs> the action of Miami Vice and the comedy of Moonlighting is going to be great. <laughs> and so he basically <laughs> quits on the spot. He's like, I'm out of here, suckers. I'm gone. Yeah, he's like, Suck later. <laughs> uh, so he leaves. And instead of, again, I don't understand this, instead of going out the front door into his car to drive off to his newfound what, hopeful fame, he goes upstairs further into the school, which boggles my mind. And he... F- yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Why did he go upstairs? Yeah, instead of like, I'm out of your suckers, but I'm yeah. going to go upstairs first and I'll pop around for a bit. <laughs> well, the, my first thought was like, maybe he's going to go change or something. But later, he's walking in that hallway, and the hallway's abandoned, and he hears some squeaking down there, and he's like, hey, I'm looking for the parking lot. Can you? Is this the way the park? Like, no, why would you go upstairs? Yeah, well, the parking lot's upstairs, yeah. So, and obviously, you've been to the parking lot, you parked there to get there in the first place. <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> he, yeah, he finds a, a a door that has blood dripping down it, and of course he opens it up and goes inside. And then he goes inside and he looks at blood dripping down, and he sticks his hand underneath the blood and lets it just drip yes. for like for like about ten seconds. Yeah. Do you really need that much confirmation that this is blood or something's really weird here? Yeah. And then a, a basically a hand with like what's the equivalent to like a yellow. Rubber dishwasher, kitchen glove, grabs him from behind, and the door closed behind Clooney, 
And he basically, it looks like he's getting ass raped to death up against the door. <laughs> like straight up prison style ass raping. Because that's all you see. So the there's, door is closed and there's a piece of glass. There's a little can, window in the little door. little window and his face is a bloody and just smashed against the glass. And it's, it's like, it looks like it's, you know, it's jolting a bit. Like it looks like he's getting ass raped from behind. And then he, that's it. He's... And then you see a bunch of blood like kind of run Which, underneath the door. Why isn't that picture on the internet all right. the time with his face? With anytime he's in anything, like just making a joke, what are they, memes or whatever right, they call yeah. them? I can't believe I've never seen anything. I didn't know he was in this movie until you told me that, and I couldn't believe it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I, I maybe I'll go back and try to get a, 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 a screenshot <laughs> Still shy, of, yeah. of that because it's ridiculous. Um, so at this point, the producer convinces Officer Blake, the real Blake. To replace George Clooney in the movie, and basically, so he's playing himself now right. in this movie. At this point, I'm skipping ahead because I can't deal with all this. Uh, we, we, I'm skipping a few, and we we see and hear like this squeaky metal mop bucket being pushed by someone and mopping up blood from what I assume is the George Clooney ass rape. Um, <laughs> now, the squeaky noise is it's heard. Throughout the whole movie, basically every time the killer is around or near, you but hear it's, the squeaky it, it, mop Yeah, you hear the bucket. squeaky mop bucket. And so it makes it apparent right off the bat the killer is always carrying around a squeaky mop bucket. Yeah, or something squeaky, but what are squeaks like? But it's, There's it's, one time where you hear the squeaky noise, and it's like a, um, a camera crewman pushing down like um, lights on like a dolly. And um, you hear it. That's the only other time in the movie where you hear the squeaky the noise. The swerve. Yes. But every other time, it's a mop bucket. Um, so basically back to the, now we're back into like the present day or a present time. Cause we're back to the cops outside Marcia. and Marsha Brady is talking to author Lyman, the writer. And this is where he's telling the cops about the squeaky noise and that, oh, there's always a squeak noise. It was always there, you know, constantly heard this thing. And Marsha's like, Hey, look, chief, one of those bodies is moving. And the chief's like, well, check their pulse. And like, you didn't check the pulse when you first got on the scene to check if anybody was alive. You're just now doing it. So she bends over to take the pulse, and the whole arm, she's like, the whole arm comes off, apparently. It's like a severed arm. She tosses like, ah! She tosses it. The chief tiny catches and drops it. And, oh, God, I just, I hate this so much. <laughs> what does he say? Doesn't he say, like, that's a male arm. I thought yeah. you said this was like how did like, you know that? They weren't all together. But they keep, she keeps going back to how mutilated and chopped up they are. Yeah. Yes, she keeps yes. saying they're so chopped up, they're so mutilated. We can't. We're trying to put it together. We're doing the best we can. You know, it's it's which which that plays in later. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah you're a good call. So at this point, Marsh, the chief police chief is like, "Oh my god, what are we getting ourselves into?" And this is where Marsha Brady starts getting a little aroused because she gets up really close to the police chief and like sticks She's her tits really, out. Like she like sticks her chest really out. Really sticking her chest like, out. Almost to the point where her nipples are touching his. Like, and she's like, oh, like, I, I forget what the line is. But she, her bi-language Keep, keep it doing all. it, Marshall. Keep making that sound. I was kind of like it. I was liking what I was seeing there. <laughs> so, so now we move back to the movie set so we're back in time oh wait i had to bring this up because yeah, i don't know if either one of you noticed this but somebody brought it up to me because you mentioned the squeakiness and i noticed it to, i rewatched five minutes into the movie the first time you see george clooney and this is for you viewers at home to check out 
when they're doing his scene and talking to him, and then the director walks up and he talks to the producer. It's the black guy that wears the white hat. Do you remember him? Like, he's helping the director. Yeah, he's And then there's, like, the cameraman, like, the big guy always eating donuts or whatever. He's got the hand tattoo, yeah. Yeah. While the director is talking to George Clooney, if you look in the background, it's, like, right, start at the five-minute mark to the six-minute mark, the 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 writer walks up with a squeaky bucket for one, uh-huh. so that was the first time I noticed that. But but that guy that is the, the big guy that's always eating donuts and stuff, he's standing with the black guy, the producer. He takes off. It's way in the background. You really just got to watch it. You can't hear anything they say. He takes off his white hat and he starts petting his head. <laughs> And he's, like, talking to him and petting his head. Like, they're doing some dialogue. You know how they tell you in, like, in movies or shows at restaurants, you're supposed to say watermelon. I don't know what the fuck they're saying, but it is not watermelon. (laughs) And it looks like they're about to make out. (laughs) So just five-minute mark. I rewatched it today, and I really laughed. Didn't notice it. I I did not notice it either. I didn't notice it either until I was told about it. I do want to say, you might comment on this, and I was looking at notes and missed it, but I want to go back to where... The chief tells Bray to check the pulse of the supposedly severed arm. And now we haven't gotten to it yet, but again, this just points out how fucking stupid these cops are. Because if you're reaching out and touching this, you should fucking w- be well aware of what the big reveal is at the end of this movie. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, we're back in, and Amos the Jander is pushing the squeaky mop bucket. Amos is black, and. Amos that, looks like a skinny Stanley Hudson from The Office. Now, he kind of does. Right? Which I, I just, <laughs> po- political correctness, I do want to say it. it is important to note that he's black. Yes. Oh, I, I, a, actually, it's a very well, important yeah. note that this guy is black. And Amos and Blake have a conversation, and they're like, hey, it's good to see you again, because Amos was a janitor, still a janitor. Blake was a student. Blake was a student, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And Blake is like... Um, so we don't know how long. Blake's been there forever. And Blake asks Amos, because Amos is also in the movie playing himself, and what's he going to do with his newfound fame that now he's playing himself in this movie? And Amos tells him that he's going to do those pussy films. <laughs> and so Blake's like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm going to do the porn, pussy films. He's like, why? He's like, Amos. And he goes, I got 10 inches strapped to my leg and ready to go. <laughs> and then he starts just laughing. He's like, 10 inches, 10 inches, 10 inches. And he laughs and he walks off. Like doing like this little jive singing thing. Yeah, he's he really blacks it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he yeah, laughs sure. the whole time. Which what I will say is, I worked at a video store for years, and there are people of all races and colors and everything. Like they'll come in and they'll talk to you, and they laugh that way at their own jokes, <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing when that happens. Yes, I I, I just worked at a video store too for a while. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so now. Callie, who Callie's the main chick in this, and she plays in the movie movie, like the f- movie in the movie, she plays three different girls. But the main girl, her supposedly real name is Callie, the actress' name is somebody else. Anyway, it's confusing as fuck. She meets Principal Castleman, and, and she's asking, like, what about the girl that she's playing was like? You know, I want to know what she was like. And the principal is really, really weird. He's off his rocker. Real creepy. Yeah, and he's always got. All throughout the entire film, whenever they put a camera on him, he's always got flies buzzing around him. Yeah, he's always trying to catch flies. And he talks about the bloody murders and find all the body parts over the place. Like, oh, there are eyes there, and there's a spine over here, and blah, blah, blah. And he starts telling the story about some of the kids and the murders or whatever. And this brings us to 
kind of like the first official flashback of the movie, which uh, slash movie scene one. And this is it's like a mini story, like about some of the students of the original murders, like Richard Farley, the quarterback, trying to bang this new girl, like redheaded Sarah Walker, who's played by Callie. They just slap a new wig on her in each scene. And so Richard follows this girl into the locker room and he's like, oh, you know, give me, I'm going to, yeah, know, so, up, yeah, he's, he's, he sees this girl and he's like, ooh, well, that must be the new girl. He I made like get... the stereotypical bet with all the jockers. Like, oh, I bet you I can bang her. Like, right, oh, right. So he's talking to and her. And before that, he was basically undressing the cheerleader girl on the quad out <laughs> yeah, in front of everybody. Remember that? He's <laughs> yeah. like piggyback riding her, lifting her top, <laughs> lifting her skirt. Because that's what happens move. in yeah. high school. Sure. I remember that. Yeah, I remember being. So he basically follows Sarah into the girls' locker room. So you, yeah, get, a he lot, you get a lot of tit shots in this He scene. follows her right into the girls' bathroom, and they're all just like, oh, no. And, like, they don't seem too concerned that there's a no, guy No, they really here. don't. None of them, even, none of them like, run out of the locker room. A few of them kind of cover up. Titties everywhere. But uh, And basically, he's like, give me your number. He picks up one of the girls. Yeah, basically he just takes this girl's towel, towel, throws a towel off her, it pick, scoops her up over his shoulders. Caveman he, style. Like, yes. He just goes, you give me your number. I'm throwing... Chrissy here out in the hallway naked. Yep. And, and she's like, ugh, fine. You know, and she's like, ah, oh, stop it. Uh. You know, it was, you could never get away with that shit no, now. No. Like, way. this was, this is a very 80s moment oh, where, totally. you know, it's, it's, it's totally 80s moment <laughs> <laughs> where they're just really taking, like, objectifying women, like, to the nth degree. You know, I mean, kind of like exactly how you said, very caveman, throwing yeah. over your shoulder. It's like, I'm going to throw this woman in the hallway. It was so weird. So basically you cut to Richard and Sarah in their car and they're parking in the woods. And, you know, he's trying to do the whole, you know, car convertible. Let's park in the woods. Score he's thing. trying to score. She and wants to go home. And he's like, this is where I lost my virginity. She's like, thanks for telling me. I don't really care. I want to go home. And then he tells her, I just spent 1750 <laughs> plus tip on dinner. And now you owe me. Where did he go? Yeah. Where did he go for dinner? Yeah. Oh my, this is 87, so who knows? It could have been... Ponderosa. Yeah. 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 I see. I'm just like, it's, it's a little too much for fast food, but not enough for a nice restaurant. Yes. Doug, I think you nailed it. Yes. Uh, well, I'm working right. high school kids before, and I still don't... Yeah. Which, in, the, in these scenes, just real quick, she... I, as the actress, she's ta- she uses the word darling. She's like a 20s actress or 30s <laughs> actress sometimes. She's like, yes, darling. Why don't and you come over and see me sometimes? It's weird. You know? It's weird the way that, yeah, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. So so basically, he's not in the process. He's starting to force himself on her. He's basically going to rape this Getting girl. Getting real rapey. And all of a sudden, like he gets her like, flat on her back, and he kind of rips open her shirt. And then all of a sudden, the producer's head... <laughs> Pops up from behind a blackboard, and his hand is grabbing the girl's tits, and he's saying, "Hey, we have to see some tits in this shot. Lose the bra. Lose the bra. We gotta go." And, and now this is the guy from The Godfather. Yeah, this is Mo Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that was the best. <laughs> and so at this point, the girl's like, "Oh, this is so stupid. This is objectifying women. What's next? You're gonna, you know, ice kiss, ice my nipples." And of course, you see some guy carrying a bucket of ice with nipples, and he turns around, and walks away. But at this point, I. I just get so fed with this movie. I, I stopped taking notes. I legitimately <laughs> stopped taking notes at this point because I can't keep trying to t- describe it because it goes back and forth between current time, what's being filmed in the movie, what's being filmed, you know, 
the night in between movie. It's so fucking confusing what's real and what's not. I try. It makes no sense to, to even try honest, to write notes. This is also the worst notes I've ever taken on a movie ever. You so know, basically, like... what I'm going to do is from here on, we're just going to wing it. I can't take this movie anymore <laughs> to try to describe it. So we're just going to, you know, if we have some scenes we want to talk about, we'll talk about. The next thing I really want to bring up is the sex scene, which is probably like a half hour later after I gave up. Right, what right. I did. They keep trying to pull the switcheroo. One thing I did want to talk about with the scene where they're filming him trying to rape her or whatever, and then the guy reaches in. She gets out and she doesn't, I mean, she does talk about objectifying women, but it's funny because you talk about the locker room scene, which they totally objectify women characters. But then they have this whole scene where this actress goes on a, uh, her whole dialogue. Like a tirade. And it's like a three minute thing. And she's not just ranting. She's making comments that I've heard recently on the internet from actresses talking about filming scenes like current actresses right and what i'm getting at with that it's like it's almost like at some point they tried to make a a, a, statement. a statement right but in the middle how, of this yeah, cheesy what horror the movie you t- like you just recently filmed a girl standing with her tits hanging out and oh those are fake with tits. explosive like, boobs yeah but then you try to get this it was weird like yeah, this movie is beyond logic and all sense of me. so if if right after the actually if you were talking about just checking out scenes actually right after that scene just happens to be one of my favorite scenes and it just shows Mo Green. I'm just going to call him Mo Green, the producer. Okay. You know, he's just, I don't remember his name. Yeah, he's Harry the producer, but he's walking down the hall and he's just, it's a long shot of him walking yeah, down the hall. He's about, yeah. drinking coffee and he crumples up the cup and throws it against the wall. Someone walks by. He's like, Hey, you're doing a great job. It's great to see. You. I love you so much. And he walks past him. He's like, that kid's a fucking idiot. Then he just like <laughs> spits on the wall, just keeps walking in the hall. I'm like, this guy's awesome. He's it's like this, this scene. He's just such a sleazebag. Yeah. And it's like a 30, 45 second scene of him just walking towards the camera down the hall. It was pretty awesome. It's, yeah, just showing you how they all are. All those directors, <laughs> producers are just like that, right? Yeah, yeah uh, and speaking of like that scene in the hallway, that's where you, we get, like I think, Peck, what's supposed to be kill number two, because uh, author Lyman comes up, the, the writer, he has a short little scene with um, the producer, mm-hmm. but right before that, you see some random... Actor or hold on, I think movie lovers are calling yeah. in right yeah. now. Let's yeah. take this call. <laughs> yeah. um, about if you actually hear my phone ringing in the background, okay. uh, but you see some random crew member or actor get pulled into a door before this. They have the conversation, and then you see in the shadow of the door like an axe come down and like a prop head gets thrown up in the air. You see pop up, <laughs> pop down, like. <laughs> If you catch his head off the head, doesn't like go flying four feet in the air? It just falls to the ground. But so that's death number, basically number two, if you can count it. That. Yeah. Um. So, I I'm gonna skip ahead to basically death number three because I don't know where it is in the timeline. But you get another death of one of the actors who was in the scene with the locker room. He was one of the jock boys that he was making a, a bet with, and he's bringing like props, like which was the high school like shop room. When mm. I guess that's where they're storing all the movie props, right? And he finds like a sandbox, which is ba- or filled with like gravel or. Sand That's exactly how I something. describe it as a sandbox. And a sandbox in the middle of the shop. Yeah. He sees yeah. a magical nut or screw or something moving by itself on a table and it rolls over. It's it's like the old five, like a dollar on like a fish hook with a string. Somebody, you know, drag points. Right, right. It's that gap. And it goes into the sandbox and it sinks below the sand or dirt. 
He's like, oh, let me check this like out. Like quicksand. Yeah. And he gets down, like, basically puts his face in it. And a fucking rubber glove on a goddamn wire pops out. And like, he's supposed to strangle him or something. And pulls him down into the sand pit. And that's This it. killer's got the strongest grip in the world. That's all I've got to say. Yeah. And he pulls him in. And, but the thing is, you can see. You can plainly see. It's a hand. Like, there's just, like, a white wire sticking out of the sandbox <laughs> with a glove over it. There's no arm there. Yeah. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> so he goes in, and then like right after that, right after that, the guy who played Richard Fire, the quarterback in the previous scene, he comes in looking for somebody, and he gets like fucking like trapped, like goddamn Bugs Bunny or something, in like in like, in like a rabbit down. snare. Yeah, you know, it's like, like around the ankle, and all of a sudden, oh, now he's upside down. It's one of those ceiling. like little clever. I don't know how they work, but it's supposed to be. It's a certain, you know, the entire rope. You have it on the ground. You step your foot in, and somehow it gets triggered. And yeah. whoop! Oh, you're Off suspended you up. Oh, you're upside down. And oh no! Well, that happens to this guy. And while he's hanging upside down, this giant fan on wheels turns on and starts rolling towards him. It's like an engine. And it's like a propeller. It's like basically. It, 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 it looks like it looks a plane like a fan. engine. It looks like a fan when first when you see it moving, but then you, later in the movie you see it's just a propeller on a. Yeah. Engine, I didn't so. even understand one how it was moving. Two, it's like you said. What kind of suspension would they need to grab this quarterback jock and lift him into the air? Yeah, and just hold like, him and there. he can't even like crawl up or shake it down. Yeah, it's right. like what the guy's like six four. He's really yeah, tall. He's a, tall yeah. guy. he's a really tall guy. So I'm guessing he's got to weigh at least 200, 220 pounds. And they show this bag that's probably like as big as maybe a grocery it's like a bag. Flower bag. Like, like yeah, a bag of like basically I'm like and I was watching that and I go, that's not correct. No, <laughs> no. That's not enough weight to lift that man. Not at all. <laughs> I'm like nerding yeah, out yeah. over there. Why there's nothing moving this fan it's on wheels and just starts moving by itself and basically you know the propeller goes into it but Chops you, you don't up. see off it. off screen kill off screen kill boo so and that catches kind of catches up to where uh then the other kill is the biology there's a scene with the perverted biology teacher who's sleeping with students to, for a's dude and, yeah that whole scene that whole <clears throat> That whole like that was. Now like you got to get into that a little bit because that yeah. was. Yeah, so it's another scene in this, the movie, like the movie in a movie. It's the Inception like scene, but it's long. It's like a good really fifteen long. minutes yes. long, and yeah. it's like it's almost it's so outside of what's happening in the. Yeah, again, it yeah. makes no sense. Why is this in here? It's like you could take this whole piece out, remove it, you know, and it would, it would no one would miss it. Yeah, you know, they just stuck so, in this basic fifteen minute. Oh, it was almost like it felt like a short. Yeah. It really it's felt like a short. It's like a yes, show. it's supposed yeah. to be set in the past. It's yeah. supposed, okay during that time, and they're, be, fi- and they're filming. The 1982. They're like, filming the, the scene of what happened, and all, what it is is you're in the classroom, you're in a normal science class, yeah. and the the instructor who is just creepy creeperson, mm-hmm. not as creepy as the principal, but still sure. creepy enough. Mm-hmm. No, but he's pick, kind of creepy. He's picking on this kid. The kid that's supposed to look like a nerd, but to me looked like Clark Kent Superman. Yeah, right. I was like, like, this kid would, every girl would want to fuck this guy, and this guy would kill you, like, like, Professor Creepy. It's an 80s cliche or stereotype, hey, put glasses on somebody, and they're selling a nerd, you know. But that, yeah, so they show this whole thing, and you're, I I think what it was, do you call it the red herring, is that, where you're supposed to believe that this could have been the killer for a minute, for one minute. Right, right. Until they get... To the death scene for this instructor. Yeah, well, the whole time, like, afterward, <laughs> again, Cal, the girl who plays Callie is in this as another girl with just, like, a different wig on. And after, you know, after the class is over, the biologist is like, you need to stay after, you know, we need to talk. And like, I'm always You here. need extra tutoring. I'm always here at <laughs> night, you know, for you. And then Ugh. on cue, like, another 
a slutty blonde and high man, school. And man, did she look slutty? Yeah. She's like straight up 80s slutty. She walks in like, but like, don't listen to him. He won't give you what you know. Like I used, to, he used to give me the attention, but he doesn't anymore. Yeah, she like was that. asking him, "Why am I getting C's now? Yeah, I yeah. used to get A's, now I'm getting C's." And he's like, "Tired of her." Basically, yeah. he's just he's like, like, "Well, fuck ugh. you enough. I'm done." With yeah, you. he's done. Do you want a D? If not, get out of here. <laughs> I'll give you a D right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, he's creepy, and. Then the scene moves on to like he's closing up the school, the biology lab or whatever, and he gets attacked by the killer and he gets strapped to a, bio, a table. Yeah, he gets he gets nailed. He gets nailed, like crucified to this table. And it's funny because the, the music that's playing in the background is music. It's like it's remixed him. It's it's rock music. It's with, talking about Freddy's dead or you know dead little Freddy because he kept calling the, the frog, frogs yeah. Freddy. So and Freddy's they, dead, dead little Freddy in a talking that it was ridiculous and it's it's so it's, it's kind of like a music. scene of like him being dissected yeah, so they is. nail his hands down to the 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 table yeah, just like you do with the, the frog and it's playing this music in the background it's a really weird scene. it does not fit the no. other kill scenes no, in any way shape or form no, it's totally and kill. it's almost like if you watched a horror movie now and they do a good job of trying to like uh y- y- you know like homage 80s movies with yeah. the cool music or whatever. Not even horror movies. Drive, stuff like that did that. Sure. But this one was like doing it in the 80s. And they were weird. There was yeah. no reason no, for this scene. No. And it wasn't good. No, it was, it was just good. fucking the, weird. The, so the killer takes, takes the scalpel and like cuts him, his sternum. And he eventually like pulls out the guy's heart. But and we got, puts we, it on we, his face. We can't <clears throat> move on anymore until we talk about the, the killer in this movie. Now, the killer in the movie movie, I mean, not like... Jesus. God, so <laughs> the f- movie within the movie, the killer, the killer from 1982, I guess, was the best way to say it. Is basically a guy in black robes and like football pads. It looked like, but with a what looked like the worst paper mache mask on. It looked kind of like if someone's like a wax figure melted face, but also looked like paper mache. Like, right. Yeah. It's just kind of like a death mask gone wrong. It was, it's you know. the most. My buddy said that it reminded him of not really scream, but more like scary movie where they make fun, <laughs> where you've got ghost face, like bleh, all right, high right. laughing at you. <laughs> like it's that mask. Yeah, almost. It almost like, it's just like the eyes aren't even. They're like one side, like it looks like, it, like, like, like a stroke or something. Like his, half his face is all droopy. And, and he's wearing yellow kitchen gloves yeah, too. It's yeah. totally the most ridiculous, non-scary. It's, it's comical bad. And that's the killer from supposedly 1982, and what they make you think is this movie as well. So, again, I'm just going to jump ahead to, uh, Cal- at one point, Callie and Blake are kind of like really only until you really start following at some point, and there's a sex scene between them. Ugh. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, because I'll let you totally talk about that, but yeah. before that, the scene where they meet... And the, the only reason this was important to me, they, they meet up for kind of the first time and introduce each other. He takes her to a locker. Yes. Okay, locker. okay. And, and I just bring it up because it's before that one. Yeah, it is before that. Okay. He, they, they just go to a locker. He was like, I need to show you something. And he takes her to the locker, opens the locker, and it's whatever his name is, Scott. Steven. It's like Steven like and Heather or whatever. Kathy. Kathy. Steven yeah. and Kathy. And she looks at it. And she's like, why the arrow, you know? And uh, was it his name that was marked out with an arrow? Yes. And he's like, that wasn't there yesterday in this locker. And 
she immediately, the, I mean, she's standing in a high school looking at a locker with a heart and an arrow through. She immediately says, like almost verbatim, you know what this means. It means that the killer must be back. And it's the same killer that was killing people before. And he's targeting people on the set, killing them one by one. The person I was watching this movie with was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling me that a fucking arrow? Yeah. Through his name, like gave you all that information. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Plus the fact is like he says it wasn't there yesterday, so it makes you think, how often is this guy going back to his old locker? <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> point. Like, yeah. Why are you going back to what is locker? wrong with you, psycho? Like, I can get like if you're back at your old high school with the very first thing, hey, let's go to and oh, there's my old locker. Okay, there it is. But why are you going back to it on repeated days? It, it makes why are you there in the first place? But your point's so much better. Like, yeah, she gets so much from basically nothing. Yes, yes. <laughs> so. And right, and then they become like the 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 the, the dual sleuths. You know, yeah. it's like the Scooby Gang, kind of yeah, like let's really find clues. I, we, we, I will mention that Kathy is important because on that oh, walk yeah. up to the locker, he's talking to her, telling yeah. Callie oh, yeah, about yeah. Kathy. That he dated Kathy in high he school. He was in love with her. And they were like the prom dates or something like that. He's in love with her. But, and then, uh, as far as he knows, he disappeared. And Kathy's also the principal's daughter. And he's like, hey, where'd you go? You don't go? know that at the time, though. Uh, it, it, I don't yeah. know. It comes up soon enough. But The timeline's clear enough, Marshall. You should yeah. have easily <laughs> understood uh, that. Yeah, and he asked the principal, he's like, hey, where'd she go? And he's like, uh, uh, she's gone. She's, uh, oh, she's in grad school or something. And Blake's like, oh, okay. And that's it for now. So the sex scene, it's at night and they're in a classroom because apparently now they're sleeping on set, on set in the high school. And you see outside the window at night, a bunch of people like welding on like they're, the generators. They're, they're, they're building they're something. Building something. There's yeah. sparks. I don't remember really because there's sparks flying. They turn so, off the lights for their love scene and the and sparks course, like, are the sh- sparks, showing moments of their love. Again, people are welding them. outside of a high school. Yeah. What are they welding? Who the no, fuck knows? I, I saw it's probably like some generator or something for this movie. <laughs> I, that I didn't look too much into, but I was like, okay, they make between actual sparks and the sparks between. Two so people. you want to talk about the love scene? Yeah. So my big In thing detail. is this: mm. they had sex, and there afterwards, there's Callie wakes up, and I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to show. It's a fucking dream sequence. She wakes up and Blake. She's like, "Oh my god, you know your guns are gone. The killer's here." Blake gets up, you know, like, "Oh, guns are gone. Let's let's go." An arm comes through the tiny little window in the door, basically kills Blake with like a twitch of an arm. Like End a, of Nightmare on Elm Street one. Yeah, it's fucking pathetic how he dies. Callie runs out, smashes the window open with the chair, smashes the window, gets into the car, and uh, is about to drive away when Amos. Pops up with a knife. Like, in, the back, in the back seat, he's like, whoa, oh, I got you. <laughs> and then you hear the film director going, cut. And like, all right, that was good. Yay. And then Amos like, takes the knife and you hear the director like, no, Amos. And cuts Callie's head off, which again looks so badly done. He basically touched her neck with a blade and, and her, her head, head just popped off. Yep, yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> and the film director's like, no. And then she wakes up back in the bed. And so... And then they wake up again. <laughs> so and at this point, I'm like, is the sex scene even real? <laughs> well, what? Because yes. you don't know if that's real or if that was for the movie. In Did my you- mind, I hope that sex scene was fake, and here's why. Because if you look at the editing, while they're getting naked, making which her hand, she if you hold your hand out in front of you right now and you put your spread your fingers apart, now put your fingers together. 
and then imagine her hand stiffly running up some weird part of his body. I don't know what part. That's how she ran. And then they cut to, I shit you not, children's drawings yes, yes, on I, the fucking yeah, wall. Like crayon drawings. As they're making out children's drawings, Which, them fucking again, children's drawings, them fucking. Why are there like children's <laughs> crayon drawings I wrote that in my wall. notes too. I was like, why kids drawings? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not like a preschool or daycare. It's high school. <laughs> and it was, it was the stiffest, most uncomfortable sex scene I think I've ever seen. You know, it's like they're like barely, I don't think they could tolerate each other yeah, very much. Yeah. They're ch- barely kissing, barely <laughs> touching. And like, Oh, but that's a good point. Did that happen? Yeah. yeah. Like, 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 what did that? Yeah. You don't know if the sex scene was even real or not. So anyway, they wake up the next day, supposedly. Who fucking knows at this point? And she finds a blood trail from the door leading down to back to uh, the shop. Drug all the way through the hall. Now this like, is where huge. I'm like, this is where I'm backtracking because earlier, several seasons ago, Marsha Bray's like says to the chief. Oh, there's a giant blood trail because she comes out of school covered in blood. And this is where her cleavage is open, her shirt's open, bloody cleavage. And she's grabbing it, she's saying, Oh, we slid all the way down the hallway. And she's like, Is this the blood trail they're referring to in the movie now? Because I don't know why, but that's what Yeah, who the I fuck made. would know? Um, so they found the blood trail. It's basically like a giant slip and slide at this point. And keep in mind, at this point, Callie. She's wearing basically painters or construct like coveralls. Now I just want to bring that yeah, up. Coveralls, that, she's definitely. wearing coveralls for sure as they leave this room to file the blood trail. Um, you got me I'm, in suspense. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know where you're going yeah, with this. Back to, um, but at this point, I'm still wondering if this is even real or fake at this point. Now, Marsha Brady's back up. We're back to the cops outside. She's eating a fucking hoagie or a chili dog or something. <laughs> she's eating oh, a chili yeah. dog. And she's covered in blood. And the chili's like dripping all over the police chief's shoulder. The, the chief's like kneeling down looking at something. Marsha Brady comes up behind him and is just shoving this hot dog in her mouth, <laughs> dripping chili all over this guy. And she's like, it's probably yeah. my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> The chief, he pulls back one of the sheets covering the body, and you see the head, and it's such, obviously, a fake fucking head. It's like plastic and rubber. There's no hair. There's no eyes. It's not attached to anything. It's just a blank. And he's like, oh, well, we got, we got a severed head here. You know, we got to find the rest <laughs> of them. It's the stupidest fucking cops. And so now... And remember that again. I'm going to bring it up again because I know you'll talk about it. But remember, these are chopped up body parts. Yes. These are severed heads. Uh-huh. Mutilated. Are... Mutilated beyond recognition. Mutilated beyond recognition. the body parts together okay. properly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Blake and Callie get back into the shop and they find the heads of the producer and the director Mo sitting Green. on a giant box. Basically, it's more of a crate at this point, not box. It's a big old wooden crate. And this again looks so blatantly fake. It's like the old, old trick. It's like the old magic magician's trick of like you just put a guy in a box with a hole not big enough for him to stick their head through. That you can obviously tell they're just sitting inside this box. It's complete with rolled up sheets behind their for like a neck roll from the rest of their head on, and they're just sitting there. It's so bad, <laughs> so bad. And and this is where I want to know because Matt now this scene. They find the sandbox, and she bends over looking up, and now she's wearing boots, blue jeans, and a V-neck sweater. <laughs> Is that true? We saw her, she's wearing coveralls. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I don't really remember Somehow that. she magically 
immediately change clothes between the hallway and entering the room. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. Oh my god, you're right. Oh, but that scene also when they find the heads, and she goes, "Let's call the cops," and the police officer says, "No, <laughs> yes. let's not call the cops. The killer can still be here." What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I guess like you say that you have a cop there with well, you, so you just call for some backup. Yeah, well, yeah, that would be the. Let me call some backup. To this film's credit, you don't know what alternate timeline we're watching right now, Marshall. <laughs> yeah, it's very you true. know, you don't know where we are in the timeline of this movie. Yeah, don't so, call the cops. That's funny. So Blake, the cops are already yeah. here. <laughs> the Blake pushes like feels around and says, "Oh, there's a trap door down here. Oh, there's a tunnel." He says, "A tunnel." Which again makes it. How the fuck do you know there's a tunnel down there? Because you're pushing on the floor. <laughs> it's not until you break through it that like, oh, oh, there's a tunnel yes. here. There's no way you would know there's a tunnel here because it's solid at first. It just dragged me. God. So anyway, the sand drains down the newfound hole, and they go down these steps and into this basement area, and. They come across this room that's kind of like a classroom, also like, but like there's an altar in the front, and there's this uh, filled with decaying corpses, and they're all dressed in blonde wigs with flower like purple flowers, yeah, and prom dresses on or something like that. And it looks like they're all, it, he calls it their classroom. Gee, well, spoiler: the principal comes out or whatever. <laughs> spoiler, yeah, but uh, no, it, no, it, no. It, Am- it, Amos comes up. Oh yeah, Amos, Amos comes up. Amos comes out and, and says, like, and, and they're, oh, and they're like, whoa, you better stop there. Amos is like, no, no, dude, I, I, I just found this. I want to make sure you know. The funny thing about Amos is that he's speaking so differently. Whereas before he was like, "Wow, I'm going to be a porto. Yeah, I'm yeah. crazy. Wow, just, just." And then he's like, "Now oh, look at all these people here. They're, they're, they're the murder victims." And someone. it's the and principal. You know, I've been found for a while. I just want to make sure you guys are okay. His and personality completely changes. And yeah. then he's like, <clears throat> and they're like, "Oh, there's one more seat open. Like that seat's for you." Yeah. And Amos attacks Blake, and so, they start fighting. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, "Hey, Amos is the killer. Okay." And no, I was, <laughs> no, because in the middle of the fight, Blake. Pulls Amos's face off to reveal that it's Principal Castleman wearing a mask, an elaborate, elaborate mask, wearing the most lifelike mask ever constructed, the most yes. lifelike blackface really ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but the problem is when they rip the mask off, you have his white head, which now his blatantly white hands are showing. Yes, but yeah, the yeah. Before it's totally one hundred percent black Amos. Black I rewound Amos. that. Just to make sure, yeah. and it's like the neck shows up white, yeah. the hands are ama- the hands are white. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. It's totally it's total whiteness. It's horrible transition. Yeah, horrible transition. Horrible transition. And so they're fighting. They're fighting. Blah blah blah. So and it's the principal. Oh, yeah. And he's like, um, had uh, says that uh, Kathy got pregnant because of Blake. So Blake knocked up Kathy, and Kathy gave herself an abortion. Which which killed her basically. When did Roe v. Wade pass? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm thinking she just could have gone to the clinic. Yeah, you know? and Castleman blames Blake for her death. So Kathy was the principal's daughter. Yes. Blake is the current police officer, which and in do, high school they had a a thing. Thing. And they do make a point when when Blake asked Castleman about where her daughter is. They do say, "Oh, her name was you know Kathy Johnson or something like that." And, and Castleman was like. Well, she changed her name because she didn't want to know that her dad was the people for her. Everybody know that her dad was the principal. And they did talk. Blake did talk about. He told uh, the girl who plays multiple characters. Allie, he yeah. he said that 
I lost my virginity to her that night, and then she disappeared the next day. He did. Yeah. She disappeared the next day, and he hadn't had sex in three years. Yeah, after that. Like then. what a loser, <laughs> <laughs> big wuss. Yeah. <laughs> so again, that brings up the question: If she disappeared the next day, how the fuck did she know she was pregnant so soon? Or is she just something? I mean, maybe something else happened that she disappeared. But if she, she it's had all, sex yeah. and all of a sudden, oh, I'm pregnant, I'm like. Get myself an abortion, basically kill myself. It's all conjecture at this it's, point. You know, uh, it's just ridiculous. So Amos is like, you know, uh, he basically ties up Callie at this point. Well, now he's principal, not Amos anymore. He's yeah. a principal. Yeah, principal. Because Amos apparently never existed. He even said, Amos never existed, did he? So if you go back to past... another fucking thing. So, so <laughs> this principal was also principal and moonlighting as an old black janitor. In the same school. In the, the same, same school. Time. The same For time. no real reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then on the movie set, because you see Castleman on the movie set, but I guess playing himself too. And then you see Amos on the movie set. So he's doing like some crazy Bruce, like Bruce Wayne Batman shit, constantly changing these costumes. <laughs> and that makeup mask has got to take a while to get on and then paint your hands black and then... And get out of it again. Like, this guy, it's bonkers. Yeah. No sense. Because <laughs> that scene when he was talking about having his 10-inch dick and doing porn. Yeah. He was even like, Blake, you were always so nice to me. I remember you kids being hellions, and you're always a real good kid, Blake. So he was a full-time janitor <laughs> and a full-time principal. Now, and, and when Blake ripped the mask off, do you remember the line? He rips the the black mask off, and he, and Blake says, Castleman, you honky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, he does what it the fuck? <laughs> I can't, like, that's the weirdest I thing forgot. to say. If you're being attacked or somebody trying to kill you, and he's like, dude, you honky. <laughs> you got me. And uh, um, before he made the reveal that it was Amos, Amos fighting with him, Blake punches him in the balls, and he giggles and goes, hoo-hoo, my jewels. Yes. <laughs> like, it's so Weird. weird. So, yeah, Castleman's like, I kept this chair open here, and or I kept the corpse of Kathy in this basement slash classroom, basically since she died. So for five years at least now, it's been five years. Yeah, slash it. chapel. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what was going. Yeah, on because there. at first he's yeah, like, really like he a chapel. It a classroom, but then later it's like a chapel because there's an altar with a cross and some burning candles. And there's tons of dead bodies, and yeah, know, like tons of bodies dressed up the same. Um. So he kept, basically ties up Callie and says, you're going to marry Kathy now, and Callie is going to be the maid of honor. And Castleman is going off full and blown crazy. And at this point, Blake's like, no, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Monday, Monday night, night football. Monday night football is on. <laughs> I want, you know. And Callie's like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> it's like, and she's like, no, I'll kill her because she doesn't like football. So, and he's like, and he, he, he says, I swear to God, the first time I heard this line, he goes, the Steelers are playing the Ravens. and Raiders. I, I know, but the first time, it sounded like, because oh. he says it so weirdly, it's, it's like Raiders. It, sound, it sounded like Ravens. Like, Holy shit, is this movie predicting the future now? Because like, the Ravens <laughs> yeah. only exist in 1987. <laughs> so I actually had to go back and watch There's no Baltimore Ravens. With subtitles on, and it's like, oh, he's saying Raiders, but it's so unclear that I was like, holy shit, this movie's a fucking psychic. It's ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. way ahead of its time. And, of course, he's a sneak his way over to uh, a javelin, and he throws a javelin into Castleman. And he impales the principal yeah. on the wall with a javelin. And the whole time the principal's, like, 
threatening everyone. He's like, get back, get back. I, I, he's got a razor. It, yeah, it's he's, a switch. It's like well, the old school straight razor. Like, right, it's a straight razor. And he's holding it so daintily in his fingers. <laughs> and Blake is a pla- trained police officer. You know, no one else has any weapons except for this daintily held straight razor. Yeah. And he's putting it in his face. And my first reaction is just, Slap it. Yeah. You know, just, just slap his hand. He's going to drop it. <laughs> yeah. And Blake actually came for a while gets his ass kicked by this old principal guy for a young cop who's, you know. And he's in pretty good shape. Yeah. We saw him with a shirt off. Yes. Yeah. Mind you, know. ladies, it's actually pretty nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so at this point, he's Cap- been hitting the gym. Castman's a pale to a wall with the javelin. He rescues Callie. They leave. Now we get back, back to the cops in real time. And they're like, okay, we're all going down to the basement now. And so they run down to the basement. Uh, as soon as they go down, oh, and before they go into the basement, we do see a shot. It's brief, but you see Callie and Blake bloody and dead underneath a sheet on the lawn. So they're somehow, somehow they're supposed to have died between leaving the basement and getting outside. You never see how or why. But it doesn't fucking matter because as soon as the cops go into the school, all the dead people on the lawn oh. sit up, so, grab the corpses, and the the writer, Lyman, says, it's all clear, and they all get up, and it's an elaborate hoax. So let's clarify that a little bit more. All right, so, yeah, the, the cops are like, okay, we're going in. We're going to find this guy. They got M16s. Yep, They're ready like to go. They're yeah. ready to go. So they go, I want every man going inside. So they leave all the bodies on the lawn just walk right into the unattended. Unattended. Everyone's unattended. So the the guy, the one survivor, goes, "Okay, it's all clear, guys, get up." And they all sit up. All the dead bodies, mm-hmm. which were so mutilated, mutilated before, beyond recognition, headless, right, headless. body parts missing. We couldn't even match up the body parts. Blah 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 blah. They all just sit up. Yeah. Guess what? They're all together. And, and well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say the one, the skinny black guy who had like the white hat. He came out of nowhere. He was no blood on him, anything. So, I, but he like just hiding behind a bush the whole time. Like, <laughs> you don't see me. Yeah. And then because he's like, hey, he talks to special effects. Hey, let me have my head for keepsake or whatever. Right. And they're picking up parts and blade sheets and throwing them into a van. And they're and the they whole crew. So off. the producers alive, the directors Everybody. alive, the football players is alive. All the people that you saw get killed. Yeah. Are pretty much alive except for George Clooney. Which, and, and you don't see George Clooney. That's no, right. That's the, that's my. I do have a question about. I'll come back. I'll come all the way so back around to that. George Clooney's dead. I guess for real. Possibly. Um, yeah. So let's finish that. We're going to talk about that for sure. Yes. Yeah. Let's finish this out. Uh, so the cap's going. Castleman's still stuck to the wall, and he pulls out the javelin. Yeah. The principal all of a sudden starts to move around, and he looks. And he's alive. He's pinned against the wall with the Which, javelin. Again, if this was all a hoax. He would have fucking be dead for sure because when he pulls that jab, it's like a foot of blood on that thing. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Like it went through center mass straight through his heart. He would legit be dead. <laughs> but no, he pulls it out of him and then grabs the javelin like, like a spear. <laughs> and there's a room full of cops, a dozen cops with, with, all armed to the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and he charges them. He charges them with the javelin like, yeah. And then he shoots like firing squad style, just Blast this guy. He uh, does it twice. He yeah. does it twice. Yeah. He gets he shot, shot, then he stops. a few times at first, like two or three times. Yeah, oh, he oh, brushes okay. himself off, gets back up, charges, charges again, again, and they just unload on him. And 
<laughs> and then the main cop like just his crotch a little bit Which, goes again, self defense. Again, yeah. <laughs> the chief who yeah who says self defense this time in the building is in full cop gear, full police uniform, the hat, jacket, the blues, everything. But the entire rest of the movie, he's in street clothes and a trench coat. So when the fuck did he change clothes to? Hey, man, he had to gear up for this <laughs> yeah, invasion into yeah. the high school. Yeah. And Marsha Brady's lost her hat. Her boobies are kind of like her. She's got cleavage like, yeah. going. Yeah. She's, got her, she's got her cuffs so, rolled up, leather gloves, and she's shooting the bad guys. Yeah, so I don't the know. Cops I, now, I like Marsha Brady. They shoot Castleman. So he would legitimately be dead. Like, yeah. they shot him. Yeah. Uh, the cops come back outside, see all the bias gone. And again, to show how fucking stupid they are, Marsha Brady's like, oh my God, does that mean there's still someone here? And the chief's like, yep, that's the theory we got to go on. The killer's still here. Some <laughs> sicko took off the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. And she goes, and she's like, there's, there's no, no forms there's for no that. Forms for that. And he goes, well, we're just going to have to play it close to the chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And then you cut, it cuts to Arthur. Lyman in some room sitting at his typewriter, and he's the writer that he's has been writer. assisting the police. Yeah, um, and he's he start he sits down right, and he sets up a picture, a framed picture next to his typewriter of the principal, Principal Castleman, right? And he calls it Dad. Dad. He's talking to him. Yeah, so this is his son. Yeah. So while he's ty- he starts typing on the typewriter, and you see blood dripping onto the page from somewhere. And you, you it, hear the squeaking wheels. You hear, you hear the squeaking mop wheels. And you, it zooms in on the paper and says, Return to Horror High by Arthur Lyman Castleman. And then he looks up from the typewriter and smiles with this weird-ass smile. And he says, Dad. And then roll credits. Roll credits. Now, at the end of the credits, you get, it, it says, The End, or, or is, is it, it? Followed by more of the squeaky mop fucking sound. That's the movie. <laughs> so, yes, we are going to talk about the kills because... Good God. Uh, this is where we're going to go straight into our favorite kill segment. There can be only one favorite kill. Now, the problem with this segment for this is that none of the fucking kills are really real. Except for, my, we can, one can argue, George Clooney probably got killed. He got ass raped to death. He got ass raped to death. And that might not be, that's maybe some... You know, some ex-convict just wanted some booty rubbing. Who knows yeah. what happened yeah. to that? It just could have been a male yeah. rapist. <laughs> prowling, this, prowling the ground. And then possibly the guy who gets beheaded With the, in the door. The comical head, head flying fly. in the air. Because that's why, again, some of these make no sense. Like if, you, if they're part of the movie, you see like, oh, they kill. And then they, like, you hear a drug cut or a change, so you know that's a fake kill. But then the ones that are supposed to be real kills... No, it's so hard to figure out what's real and what's not because most of the fake ones you figure out, but there's some that why would they be fake in the first place if they weren't for the movie or if they weren't for the hoax? Like the guy getting beheaded by the door, what purpose does that serve anybody? Because nobody saw it. Yes. So is that a real one, like George Clinton, or is that a fake one? That so just... I think for the sake of argument, and the any... Castleman has to be dead. We cannot agree on Castleman. I he agree got with shot that. Yes. Cops. So, just for the sake of argument, we're going to say that any death that occurred on screen is technically a kill we can talk about. Correct. Is that good? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, 
What's the well? So Marshall, I mean, uh, you seem to be most disturbed about this. I, you, I, for favorite kill, I am saying fuck this game for today. I, I am not picking a favorite kill. This movie <laughs> angers me so much that they don't deserve a favorite kill nomination because the uh, none of them are real, and that, except a castleman maybe Clooney. And if I, I guess if I had to pick, I'm going to say Clooney getting ass raped to death because in my mind that's the only way that makes this acceptable. To even think and it's about. Clooney. And it's Clooney. <laughs> so yes, yeah, Clooney getting yeah. ass raped. That's that's my pick. All even right. So my pick, and going going by my rules of just any death that occurs on screen is a kill. I like the science teacher, that weird moment, that avant-garde short when he's talking about the dissecting the frogs. He gets nailed down to the boards. It's weird music playing in the background, a very long slitting of his chest open with a scalpel, tearing out his heart, and the killer like goes on, makes a weird mark on some anatomy dummy. It's a very weird scene. Yes. That's probably my favorite kill. He makes a noise. He's like... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, he's, he's touching that weird anatomy dummy, and he's like, uh, yeah, it's a weird scene. That's my favorite kill. Yeah. Um, I liked the girl getting killed in the car because it was so stupid. <laughs> and, and, like, it not only didn't happen, but it was so stupid. Like, yeah, yeah, like you said earlier, they just touched her, her head falls off. It's, yeah, stupid. <laughs> All right. So there you go. And next up is, as we start wrapping up, we're going to go into odds and ends. Not only did they watch these films, they researched them too. Ugh, what is wrong with these guys? Now, odds and ends, like we always start off with our rating system, our ratings from other sites. Uh, IMDb gave it 4.1 stars out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes had no official thermometer score, which kind of surprised because this is an, an 87 movie, and I'm not going to say it's a classic, but it's I would assume it's well-known and been around long enough to get an official score. It's got Clooney and Mo Green and, and Marsha Brady. And Marsha Brady. Yeah, yeah it's Which really weird. surprised me, but it had an 18% audience score, which in my mind is too fucking high. But regardless, Amazon had 2.5, 2 2.5 stars. That may have one of the lowest Amazons we've ever had because Amazon's kind of run kind of high. Yeah, it's surprising. That is a pretty low, that's a pretty low Amazon rating. Um. The only plot keyword I even bothered writing down was attempted rape. And <laughs> the only reason I even bothered writing that down is because I just made me think, what sicko out there types in attempted rape in the movies they want to see? Like, I want to see a see film rape. something a little different tonight. <laughs> attempted rape, perhaps. Yes. Hmm. Return so, to horror high, you say. <laughs> um, trivia, this is, and knowing now is where I know we go into all the little gems and... and research nuggets i found digging up when i do all my research on this movie well you know what there is none this week because there is nothing out there really like jack nothing. shit the only yeah. tribute that i found on everything i looked up that everything that well this is philip mckinnon's movie to view and george clooney's first movie that's it and philip mckinnon who's that who the fuck knows yeah. <laughs> i looked him up he, he was he was some actor in the 80s who i guess he was a tv actor like, i guess he did a lot of TV shows and maybe soap operas or something. And this was his first actual motion picture, phone fight studio release. And then, of course, George Clooney. And the guy who played Mo Green, okay, I, I can just talk about that guy all day. <laughs> I love that guy's voice, and I loved his character. He was great the whole time. He was probably the most enjoyable thing about the film. Yeah. Was just watch. Anytime he was, he was just chewing the scenery, he was knocking it dead. Anytime he was on screen, I was actually interested in what was going on. <laughs> when he was gone, I was lost. <laughs> So, there was a scene with him in the stall where he was on that briefcase phone, and the girl Callie sneaks up to listen to him yeah. talk about whatever they're talking about. Yeah, the but, yeah. She, that's, that, that's her detective note. She's got a notebook, and she's like, 
And he says something about the killer, people missing. She's like, oh, and it's almost like she might as well just wink to the camera. Yeah. Like, yeah. What I got. And she writes her notebook oh and then sneaks away. It's ridiculous. So, again, since there's really not much else to talk about, I do have some five star reviews of this movie. Good God. These special movies have a place in these special people's hearts. Five star reviews. Is there a, is there a, is there a budget? No, that's a, normally we do the budget game, but there is no budget of information for this movie or uh. box office information for this movie. There's nothing. That's a shame because I like doing the budget game. I do too. <laughs> yeah. so, so I wrote down some uh, yeah. five story views. Uh, I, I wrote down a little more than normal just because there's nothing else to really talk about as far as trivia or, or mess ups or anything. So Melissa Reginelli writes, wish there were more Vince Edwards movies like City of Fear, Mr. Edwards had a face of an Italian angel. Sure wish Mystery Science Theater 2000 was around. This would be such a great film for review. I think Vince Edwards would even get a kick out of it. Five stars. So basically she's saying this movie's so bad, it should be on Mystery Science Theater well, 2000. Yes. That and the fact, but she gave it five stars. She didn't even give it, she gave it five stars because she's apparently got like a woman crush that makes her panties wet for this Vince Edwards guy. <laughs> <laughs> who is a minor actor in this movie. Like, I looked him up. He's Yeah, he's did a few other things, but really? <laughs> like, Who is he in the movie? He, he's just one of, like, the extra actors. He's, like, one of the film actors. Like, he has no main part. Like, I don't think this character <laughs> even has a name. <laughs> it's just Vince Edwards. Yeah, it's just yeah. Vince Edwards. She just, she's, like, from her hometown. Yeah, and, you she, know, she yeah. loves Vince Edwards. So that's why she... And so, another one... Um, if I had to give this movie a rating on horror value, it would rate as the worst scary movie I've ever seen in my entire life. That I can agree on. Okay, yeah. However, this film has much more value than that. It is so painfully, horribly, terribly bad that it's good. I disagree. Like Pop-Tarts, so cool they're hot. First of all, George Clooney and Marsha Brady in a wicked, low-budget film is enough to make anyone chuckle. This movie also has a terrible plot and the worst special effects I've ever seen. <laughs> This is a classic worth viewing again and again. It's better than Cats. Five stars. Better than Cats? Are you cats, like the horror movie Cats, or Cats, the Andrew Lloyd Webber Broadway musical Cats? <laughs> I don't know. Because, I, hey, I have to say, I would rather watch Cats than watch this movie again. I, I, don't, I've never, I haven't seen the Broadway Cats. I'm well aware of it. And I haven't seen the other movie Cats, which I think was Drew Barrymore, I think. But either one of those, I would much rather watch. Angel Lloyd Webber, uh, Magical Mr. Mistopheles. I'm well aware of it. It's yeah. a very catchy song. Yeah. In fact, we named our cat our, when I was growing up Mr. Mistopheles. Yes. yes. So again, I can even sing it for you. That's how that, much I know it. That's okay. I won't. <laughs> uh, a short one. This movie has been getting such bad reviews. And I wrote this one set to record to set the record straight, I guess. But excuse the corniness. This movie was not meant to be a real horror film. It is obviously a satire. Think of it as the first of the subgenre that Scream supposedly started, except that it's not as straightforward. <laughs> straightforward, it, it's mocking, except in the leading women's blatant complaints a couple times. This is awful, right? Also, the movie has a sort of predictable, non predictable way about it. What does that even mean? It has a predictable, non-predictable way, way about it. That doesn't make any sense. No. You have to choose one or the other. Either you're predictable or not. not predictable. It's funny as hell. I mean, the stuff that happens is so absurd, and the police department is stupid as anything. I will agree with that. One of the best parts is that George Clooney is in it, and not even a lead role either. Anyway, this movie is a watch 
if you want to laugh type film and keep that in mind it's a spoof note the five stars are so people watch it to boost the rating a bit five stars That <laughs> <laughs> even says the only reason i'm giving this five, five stars, stars is because he wants people to watch this yeah, movie it's so bad. okay there's three more one's really short and mary oh. return to horror high is just as good as the first one well worth watching was pretty scary in some spot. So this, so this person thinks it's a sequel. Yes! That's why I it's not a sequel, Mary! It's not a sequel! It's not! It, it's a better grammar and punctuation. Jim, and I wonder if she, her rockers are hanging out somewhere. I really like this movie. Yes, it's silly, but it's not meant to be serious. It's a spoof, plain and simple. And even as old as it is, the world's better than all of the scary movie spoofs. This movie proves that you don't have to rely on tons of sex drug-related jokes in order to be silly and fun. It's very campy, but it's so much fun. I really love the song that played during the one scene. Unfortunately, I can't find the song anywhere. It was called Man For Me. Anyway, I enjoyed this movie. Five stars. Ugh. She wanted the song that was played during the sex scene. Is That's that the one? Did you look that up Ooh, at all? Oh, the song during the sex scene. Yeah. That was that was pretty hot. Oh, I actually this stuff I had done like I before I redone rewatched the movie. So when I was paying attention to the music, and I was like, oh, this is the song that this person was talking about. It's played during the sex scene. And you Mary or Jim, you just read the credits and it tells you what the <laughs> movie is, who wrote it, who performed it, and where you can find it. Now I yeah, <laughs> I do want to say like the opening lyrics to that song were something to the effect of you know, I'm lying in bed and across the wall, you know, I hear this love across the wall. Yeah. This is while they're having sex. This is the, just the lyrics. Yeah, I'm lying lyrics. in bed and I hear this love across the wall. I want him deep inside me, but I have no one at all. And I was like, what? Yeah. It's a really, it was it's like, a weird song. Doug, it sounds like you really like this song too. I guess. I mean, I, would, I, I need to go back and watch this yes. movie. I, I, have t- a, I got 24 hours on my rental. I got to make sure I get back and get this yeah, song. Exactly. I don't know if I have that in my vinyl collection and I need it. <laughs> Last one from S. Snotterly. Fun little low budget horror movie. Worth your money. Had George Clooney in what I believe was one of his first brief movie roles. Add the blood and a little cheesiness that most B-movies have. Well worth your money. Just pay them attention to the ending. Could have you saying WTF, what the uh, five stars. All one sentence, no punctuation. I said WTF the entire time I was watching that movie. Yes, the whole time. So, oh my God. All right. um, I can't in good conscience end this episode with just this movie because it's... It makes my head hurt. Now, would you recommend it to people? Yeah, we're gonna go into that. No, okay. no, I don't. And I wanted to. Like, I <laughs> when I was a kid, I wanted this. I wanted to like this movie. I want to say I watched it years ago. Like, I was probably ten or something, and I don't remember much about it. I remember the cover was cool, and I I wanted to like it. I probably hated it back then, but when I wanted, I was really hoping this would be like good, bad. But no, stay away from this movie. It makes no sense. It makes your head hurt. It makes you angry. I'm tired. No, don't. I say no. No. So I'm going to actually go opposite. Oh, fuck you. And I'm going to say, watch this movie. It's only an hour and a half long. But to be honest, there's just wonderful scenes with the guy, Mo Green, uh, Roca. I forget Alex his first Ro- name. Alex Roca. Rocco. Rocco. Whatever. Mo Green. Great scenes with Mo Green. 
seeing Marsha Brady, I don't know. I was really oddly attracted to Marsha Brady in this. I'll give you that. Role. I was kind of too. She is kind of hot. In this She's movie, so. But- I knew it. It's- you both mentioned it many times. Yeah. I knew it. I knew <laughs> so it. not worth watching she- in my video. She's so weird <laughs> and bizarre. That just the chili dog scene by itself was just bizarre. I don't know, just for those weird little moments. George Clooney, and the times that George Clooney is in the movie, he's only in the movie for maybe a whole of three minutes. Yeah, five at most. Yeah, and he he nails it. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's Clooney as Clooney could be. So it's kind of fun for that. Uh, and and just the bizarrity of the movie. It's we, we both we can all agree this movie is incredibly bizarre. Yes. You talking about Clooney just makes me think of like you always think back or look back or whatever, but isn't that weird that he was on that set filming that scene? He had a couple lines like, I'm standing right here. I'm the guy, whatever his lines were, but he's going to be a multi-billion dollar right. star. Right. And none of, the, he's such a bit part, you never fucking knew it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do we, people even remember him being there? Yeah. Do they even remember talking to that guy? And the funny thing is, like, you can tell that the, uh, the cover for the has been redone because his name is on the cover of the box. But at the time this movie would have been released, nobody knew who the fuck this guy was to get billing on the cover of the box. So you can tell this is the one they went back, oh we got George Clooney in it now. He's the guy now. Sure. And that's 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 a huge selling point. That's probably one of the only reasons this film is still I, I, I guess uh, I, I can find it very easily. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it still has it carries the weight of that name. And there are those weird George Clooney fans, you know, who are, you know, they, they're, there's those little... They'll look for that. Exactly. It's like, well, I got to own the first George Clooney movie. Yeah, you know? of so, course. Yeah. The, the, the cover, the modern cover has George Clooney, Maureen McCormick, which is Marsha Brady, and then the girl that was her obsession, Vince Edwards. Those are the three names on the cover poster now. But the original one, I don't think they were on it. It was a two different cover. Band. There was a movie recently where I think just two examples I think of with that, and this is kind of related. But Sandra Bullock did a movie way back in the day, you know, where she's naked or whatever, and it never got released. And then she was in Speed and all these movies, whatever. And then it's like, ooh, Sandra yeah, Bullock. Moves. Yeah, so they released it. She tried to fight it, but they had the rights to it. But there was <laughs> oh, a movie. Sorry. There was a movie recently, and I want to say it's Jesse Eisenberg, and I could be wrong about that. I have him or Joseph Gordon-Levitt in my head where they put out, they re-released the DVD, and they put them on the cover, like main person or whatever. And that actor came out and said, I'm not ashamed of that movie. It was one of my first movies. I'm suing the company because I don't like that they're trying to get my fans to buy this movie when I'm in it for one minute, and I'm not the star. And he was like, if I win anything, I'll donate it to charity. He was like, I don't like the movie companies fuck people. And... I cannot remember what that movie... It was so recent. It was like in the last year, but that's very interesting. I didn't know there was DVD copies with George Clooney and Maureen McCormick, but that's, of course, that's exactly what they're going to do. How could they not? You know, they've got you. But Maureen McCormick was obviously like, hey, it was like, hey, right at the time, it's like, Marsha Brady. Everyone knew who she was. Yeah. So it's not like it was a swerve or a trick or, you know, like a flip, you know, you you happen stumble upon the Yeah, but at the same time, it wasn't that character... Brady Bunch Prime. Well, exactly. And she was, wasn't even like the main lead. Like, yeah, and this, yeah. this was the girl played Callie was the main lead. She was post she Brady Bunch. Build at all. So yeah, I mean, uh, you you get the why they yeah, have. I that. totally get. Anyway, yeah. we're toy off topic. But I'm we're also still on uh, Doug's yeah, recommendation. Would you recommend this movie, Doug? Um, 
The only reason, and Marshall will want to punch me in the mouth <laughs> for saying this, I can't recommend. I can't recommend it. He's gonna hate me for saying that. And this, when I make the joke about ahead of its time, I feel like this movie. It's not good. They don't do. They don't succeed in anything that they're trying, if they're even trying. But the, what they do, where they're jumping around in between scenes and trying to make you think and figure out where you are in the movie, I feel like that's a very, uh, you know, current trend. Mm-hmm. Not Tarantino. In, not yes. Not in '80s horror movies like that. And I don't know if the director was trying that or if he wasn't. But that's where I'll say it's kind of neat to see a movie. <laughs> they didn't even try. No, but you see it. You see it. You see it happen. You see them somewhat sometimes wander into so bad it's good. And they don't ever really get there. No. Right. But then they also, you know, jumping the timelines and trying to make like every most people hate Wes Craven's new nightmare. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's a Freddy movie. Yeah. It was it's set with the real actors that I fucking loved that. I movie. also liked it. And too. when I watched mm-hmm. it in the 90s, I said I was like, nobody's going to like this. And it's so great. Like they don't get it in me personally. And I feel like this could have been that it wasn't at all. So. I mean, watch it at your own risk. (laughs) Watch it. (laughs) So I I, I have to go with what you're saying there because when I am watching this movie, there are little flashes here and there of some pretty interesting, cutting edge type of uh, cinematography, and it's 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 just interesting to watch, but it just falls short. Another thing I think this movie kind of had a problem with or couldn't make the decision between is it a spoof, fun, satire little play on horror. Or is it a fucking horror movie? They never, ever made that distinction between the two because they're always bouncing back and forth. That's a very good point. You can't decide whether you're having fun and being satirical or whether or not you're an actual horror movie. That's another reason why I get upset with the people who write in the Fire Charge reviews that, oh, it's satire, people. It's not supposed... Those people, those reviews came, like, a recent. Like, it's easy to look back on this now. Oh, okay, maybe it was satire. But I think at the time... You, I, you cannot say for sure that that's what they were going for. Right. At the time, I mean, you look at the, the, the trailers, you look at the way it's marketed and, and everything about right, it. Right, the trailer is great. It's set like it's a real horror movie. They yes. never made that There's distinction. There's no, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no hinting like, okay, people, this is a satire, this is movie. meant it's not to be safe. They market, it comes off like it's supposed to be a real horror movie. So that's what I take it as, and it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you get into ones, though, that are, it's hard. Okay, so in my opinion, like Cabin in the Woods was definitely not a spoof. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, love and, it. And not even marketed as a spoof, but in that they homage things mm-hmm. a lot, you know, and you yeah. would, luck, thankfully, they didn't put that in the previews as much. Exactly. But, you know, you're right. Like, back in the day, you don't know what the fuck these direct. I don't even know if this director was trying to make a statement. We had the yeah. girl giving the whole speech about, like, women not being treated equally. It was like a three-minute scene, yeah. Did he, was that meant? Did, did she just, like, beg him to do it? You know, you don't fucking know because they jumped so Everywhere, because yeah, like if you compare it, like one of the, com- the reviewers said, "Oh, it's like scary movie, only better." But scary movie when it's advertised, you well, you know you what you're getting well into. <laughs> they make hey people, this isn't serious. Like I said, you watch a trailer, you look at all the trailers, all the marketing they did for it. It's marketed as a legit horror movie, so that's how I take it, and it fails. And there's also a scene when when um 
<laughs> you were talking about how the lady like made her three minute speech about feminism and kind of like what's being you know portrayed of, of women being Feminist objectified. But there's also a scene with the director who's talking about how he needs to make an artistic film and something with subtlety. And he goes, yeah, yeah that was a that. long scene too. And then the producer, Mo Green, is going, no, we need more blood. We need more tits. We need more ass. We need more, you know, killing. And the the director is, and they're arguing back and forth for like a good three or four minutes. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Like, what were they going for there? Huh. All right. <sighs> so for me... I don't want to leave any listeners with a bad taste in their mouth for this. So if you do watch it, like Doug and Aaron said, disclaimer, watch it at your own risk. Um, I do want to recommend uh, another movie that I watched while trying to figure out what movie to do for this episode. And it's called Final Exam. And it, it's a 1981 horror movie. And I could only find it on YouTube. But it's... Not great by any means, any stretch, but it compared to this, it might as well be Citizen Kane. <laughs> it it's watchable. It's got I've it's, never it's seen got Citizen its Kane flaws, but it's not bad. <laughs> it's surprisingly <laughs> well done for its low budget and time that it was made in. Um, it's I, I I use this very loosely, but it's kind of similar to the original Halloween movie in the fact that it starts off a little slow and it, it's very focused on the characters and it builds up to. Like where the last twenty minutes or so is really where all the the meat and potatoes are, but it does it in a way that it's still kind of entertaining enough and enjoyable enough to watch. Final exam. Final exam. Mm. Uh, I found it on YouTube. Look, there's other movies called Final Exam, but this one, look for the '80s one. You'll know. You'll. It's definitely very distinct. Just to let you know, I'm going to watch it. And if it doesn't remind me of my favorite horror movie, Halloween, I'm going to be at your house at three thirty in the morning. Okay. <laughs> well, at least I know what time. <laughs> <laughs> I did say loosely. <laughs> loosely. Uh, I said loosely, <laughs> Doug. Get out of my yard. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I think that's going to start wrapping this up. Um, I, so, Hey, I, I do have a request. All right. Doug has a request. From a listener. Uh-oh. For the two of you to review the movie... Uh, Street Trash. Have either one of you seen this? I've heard that Ooh. One. So, Well, I, I don't. I have not seen it, but when you two watch it and review it, it's going to star your favorite star, Chocolate Chip Charlie. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, it's the, a callback to our wait, original. Wait, yeah. tell, is it Gary Morris or please tell me he's playing Chocolate Chip Charlie? <laughs> no, yeah. no, I, don't, I don't think there's a crossover. Oh. <laughs> I don't think there is. Are you going to see Mo going to come back? <laughs> what I do understand is there is a person i i just like vaguely looked it up because i don't want to get spoiled but a person discovers a viper's brew which is some kind of wine in a basement and he sells it to hobos for a dollar a bottle and it makes them melt and disintegrate and that's the movie that's the horror movie so these two hobos are trying to fight against this wine that's being spread throughout the hobo community <laughs> it seems like Whoa. a hobo's version of the stuff in yeah. a weird way. Uh, yes. yeah so, are you sure it's yeah, not talking yes. to Charlie I know it's not and my friend that has listened to every one of your episodes he goes tell them the, the two of them need to review Street Trash because it's it fits in with what I, I can't testify to that but I needed to bring it up great alright We'll check I it out. Look, yeah. I have it written down. I will look that up. Thanks. Uh, all right. Yeah, we're going to wrap up. So uh, remember to follow us on Facebook. You can like us and follow us there. 
our website, HorribleHorrorPodcast.com. You can get all of our episodes there and follow any updates and news we have uh, on Twitter at SoBadIt'sScary. We're also, you can find episodes on Podbean.com. That's HorribleHorror.Podbean.com. And, of course, the almighty iTunes. Yes, um, iTunes is the, the, the mothership. Yeah, it's kind you of know, mothership That's the big right one, yeah. Uh, of course, that everybody knows that's free, so you can subscribe, download. Free, it's all free. Uh, rate us, like us, and continue to follow us. And yeah, like Doug's friend, if you have any suggestions any requests, or yeah. comments on past movies or anything you just want to be said or let known, feel free to email us on our website, drop us a remark on Facebook or on Twitter, and uh, just let us know your thoughts. And like I said, maybe we'll do the movies you suggest. So uh, I guess that's going to wrap us up. Uh, I want to say thanks for Doug again for being our first uh, repeat guest. I hey, I want to say thank you very much. Doug, the two-time, two-time guest. It's uh, awesome. I've had a great time. Say that, this uh, show's awesome. He's, a, I can officially say, a friend of the show. Yes! yes. A friend of the show. I like that. Um, so I'm Marshall Hampton. I am Aaron Southworth. All right, so later. And thank you, Coffee Doug, Coffee again. Coffee Doug, thank so you. So in the next time, watch more horror movies. We'll talk to you later. Hugs and kisses. <laughs>